Uh, we called the series Following God into the Unknown. We kicked it off last week. Uh, if you weren't with us here in person or you weren't online, you can get caught up uh, on our website or on our YouTube channel. You can see last week as we kicked off this series in uh, New Beginnings Fashion where we start a series talking about a character or a book of the Bible and many times don't even get to the story of the character yet. We laid the groundwork. We left last week with a bit of a cliffhanger, right at the end of chapter 1, where we learn the situation that the Israelites are in, the children of Israel. And uh, they are in Egypt, they are in slavery. What once was a great place, was a good place, was a place of hope, was a place of deliverance from the famine they were facing where they lived before, has now turned into a place of bondage. And uh, we found out that sometimes in our life, good things, things that were once good are no longer good, and we want to hold on to the way things used to be um, and have some, some appetite to uh, push against moving on. But it was time, and God was beginning to stir in the, the, the nation, that was Egypt, uh, to begin to stir within a plan and a purpose to free his people from bondage. And this is a much greater plan, right? This is an illustration of what Jesus means to us if you go to the New Testament. Um, and so we find here at the end of chapter 1, uh, the king, the new Pharaoh, who knew nothing about Joseph and the, the past, didn't care about the children of Israel, saw them as a threat. They had grown from 70 people as a family when they came to best estimates are around 2 million. And this king, this Pharaoh in Egypt, had said, listen, if somebody comes to attack us, there's a chance these Israelites could turn against us and we could lose. There's a lot of them. So they started putting them in slavery, not just slavery. They made them miserable, harsh, physical labor. Um, and at the end of chapter 1, we find that Pharaoh gives this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. That's where we ended last week. How's God going to work in these circumstances. As I read through chapter 2, which is where we're going to be this morning, starting in verse 1, we find a very familiar story. If you've ever gone to Sunday school, if you know somebody who's gone to Sunday school, if you know somebody who knows somebody who went to Sunday school, you've probably heard about the story of the birth of Moses. And uh, you've probably heard about the fact that his mom, uh, uh, gave birth to him, protected him, put him in the Nile, floated him down the river, right? Just a wonderful mom. That's what all good moms do. You know, put, their, put the baby in a Moses basket. If you've got children, you had a Moses basket at some time. So if you don't know somebody, know somebody, know somebody that went to Sunday school, you call that a Moses basket because that's the story of Moses. We're going to look at these scripture, and I was thinking, God, what is there? Is there a fresh way to look at this? Now, there are so many lessons in these 15 verses we're going to look at today. Uh, I could preach on them for a month in four different ways, but this is where God took me this morning. I kept hearing in the back of my mind the, this verse from the New Testament, uh, from Ephesians 3:20, and I don't. Uh, I've got it in here. I think I want to read it to you first, where Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And we're going to look at Moses' mom. Uh, her name is Jochebed. Jochebed. So we're going to say that several times today. Just pray for me. 
Jochebed, Moses' mom, Jochebed. We're going to take a look at her as a, 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 from her perspective in this situation, and then we're going to look at it from Moses' perspective in this situation. And I want you to understand, remind you, Exodus, this book, was written by Moses, uh, and this is about a real person, not a fictional character. Fictional character. There's tons of, uh, uh, tons of um, archaeological studies and evidence and proof that this, this is a real person. These things really happened. Um, and so this is not just a, a made-up story. This was a real person. But I was thinking about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. He was trying to remind them. He was saying a prayer for them right here in this moment. And he was getting ready to wrap up his prayer. And this is how he talked about God. This is how he described God. He said, now to him, talking about God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now to him that is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a creative person and uh, like to use my imagination. My wife is very imaginative. She's a writer. She's very creative. And so our imaginations can run wild, especially in children. Our imaginations can run. We can come up with some of the most fascinating, uh, biggest picture schemes that we can ever imagine. And yet this verse tells me that our God is so big, so creative, so powerful, that go another step and he can go ten more. Now to get your arms around that in your life and what it means and how you apply it in a relationship with him is a little more difficult. But as I was thinking about Jochebed, about this verse, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. So let's go back. Let's read this uh, a few verses about Jochebed and see what she's going, going through. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That's Jochebed. The son is Moses. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a, a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. His sister was Miriam. Let me, let me if you would, just go with me for a moment into Jochebed's life. Where she's been given this edict from the king and all of her people to take every male baby that was born and put it in the river. You can read those verses and you don't really digest what that would feel like if you knew everybody, all your friends, all your family, as they were having children, what that would mean that they were having to take them. Somebody was taking them and murdering them. This threat from an evil king who's trying to tamper down these people and oppress them. And what she must 
have felt like. The verse has said that she looked at him and saw he was a fine child. We're going to look at a verse in a minute in Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews talks about the mother of Moses in chapter 11. And in Exodus, it said they saw he was a fine child. And uh, in, in Hebrews, it says he was a beautiful child. And, you know, Bethany and I were talking about this a little bit. Was, this, was Moses different or was this just a mother? Was this just a, I mean, every mother in normal circumstances look, would look at their baby and think, this is a fine child. This is a beautiful child. And she did something. Hebrews 11.23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. There's two things that come out of that for me. One, those first two words, by faith. Here was a woman, had everything to lose. Probably if she would have been found to be hiding a son and going against the king, uh, that uh, she would uh, probably would have been beaten or maybe killed herself and her family. Uh, but by faith, by faith, she felt something about her child. And here's what I want to say. In the midst of a terrible situation, she believed in the potential of God to do good things. There is so, it is so tempting in difficult times to lose that focus. To lose that focus that God is still good, that he's still in control, that he can bring purpose out of this. And there's a path. But here, here was Moses' mother. She believed. She lived. She let faith drive her actions, not fear. And we're going to see what God did for it. There's a message here, I think, to, to moms in, uh, in believing in the potential and pouring into and caring for your children, believing in them, encouraging them. There's a message there, right? There's a message that said this woman looked upon her child, cared about him so much that she would do whatever it took to protect him, and that she believed in his potential. I know she did this because... It, her faith, because it says it in Hebrews chapter 11. You don't quite get that clearly in Exodus that she did this because she was a faithful person, that she was faithful to the God of her ancestors and the God of Abraham. But we find that in Hebrews that she was living by faith. I imagine she was a devout person to God, that because of her closeness with God, she had some sort of intuition, some sort of guidance and direction speaking in her heart. Because in Hebrews it says, by faith, she hid this little baby boy. He wasn't named yet. She doesn't name him. And I want you to think. I want you to go with me as, I wish I had a basket. I want you to go with me as your Moses' mom. You've, you've hid him for as long as you can hide him. He's about three months old, and you build this, this small boat. And what's amazing is what she built that out of is what they built their bigger boats out of at the time. This was a sturdy little, I mean, she didn't, she didn't just throw him in a, throw him in a knapsack. This was a, this was a good boat. And she puts him in it. Miriam, his sister, comes along, his older sister. And they get to the river where maybe others have just 
Babies have just been thrown in. And she's at the reeds, and here's what, here's, what, here's what she does. She has no idea the details or the path or the plan that God has at that moment. All she does is take one small step of faith and puts her trust in God. And she puts him in the basket and sets him into the river and the reeds. Okay, now, be with me with Jochebed right now for a minute. What's she, what's she imagining? That's where I wanted to go to in this. In that moment, she's a human being. She puts him there. What is she imagining? I don't know. I mean, I, was th- I would be thinking if it was me, I would be thinking he probably won't make it. I mean, I'm just putting this three-month-old baby in a basket, putting him into the river. He's got he might not make it. As much as I could imagine would probably be he survives. Right? I mean, that's the, the, probably her greatest imagination at that point is, if I do this, he might live. And she puts him into the river. She goes back home. Miriam stays and is watching. All right, there's the baby in the boat. In the river, this happens pretty quick. If you read on, you uh, that the Pharaoh's daughter happens to be coming by the river at some time. A princess sees the basket in the river, sends her servant over to the basket to inspect it and see it. Uh, and let's see if I, I don't have the verses up here. Let me read them. Um, the, and she goes over to the basket. The servant goes uh, over to the basket. And she, saw, uh, she opened it saw the baby. This is in verse 6. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, who happened to be standing by him, Miriam, right? You got a princess, you got a servant, you got Moses in the basket, this baby that just a we don't know how long ago. It couldn't have been too long ago because Miriam was standing there. That Jacobet had just put into the water. Are you following me? Are you there? Are you there in the story? They look up and see Miriam peeking through the trees or weeds. I mean, there's so many brave stories here. There's so many ways that God is working. That Miriam walks up to the princess. That's quick on her feet. She says, hey, should I go get one of the Hebrew women maybe? I mean, you can't, you can't nurse him. He's not going to make it. I can see that you care about him. You're not like your dad, that you have some soft spot here. Would you like me to go get one of the Hebrew women, maybe nurse him and take care of him? And the princess says, sure, that would be great. So the girl went and got who? The baby's mother. Can you just be with me for a moment and understand unimaginably more? Can, if you're Jochebed, you put him out, you're thinking, he might survive. I will probably never see him again. He will probably, he more than likely won't survive. And you've gone home, but you did step out and take them one little step of faith. You did do the thing. 
And Miriam comes back and says, hey, mom, you will never believe what has happened. And they go back. And Jochebed has put it all on the line. Who stepped out of faith. Finds herself. With her baby back in her arms. Not just in her arms. But she's getting paid to take care of him. If that's not unimaginably more. I don't know what is. How God worked in her life. To say all that she could imagine. And here she thought she had given him away. And would never see him again. And now she's got him. And she's taking care of him. And getting paid to do it. That is the way our God works. There's a message to all of us. That in these uh, uncertain times. We have to believe God has a path forward. He won't show it all to us. He won't see the entire path. You will not know where the destination is. You won't know where step two is. You just see one step at a time. And he asks us to step out in faith. Here's what I believe we can do is we can limit God's power in our life. If we do not give him opportunities to show up big, to step up, take some risk and do some things a vision that is bigger than what you have the resources to do with. And I think this for our church, if we are trying to do things that we know we can do, it's not big enough because our God can do imaginably more. This is a message to us to take the little steps of risk. When you've spent time with God and you are close with Him, it is not a risk when you follow His guidance and direction. Because he can do unimaginably more. But we can limit his power when we say, I'm only going to do what I know I can do. I'm only going to step out on nowhere for sure. As a church, we're only going to do things that we have the resources to do right now. We want to step out in faith. Follow with me here. I'm not going to take too long this morning. I usually have three pages of notes. I've got one this morning. Who's excited? It should be quicker, right? I don't know. I'm through the first two bullets. No, I'm kidding. I want to see it from Moses' perspective. His mom gets him back, takes care of him, nurses him. To a point that he can, he's weaned and uh, she takes him back to the princess. princess names him Moses. She got him out of the water. We jump pretty fast into what happens. He is raised in the Pharaoh's household. Okay, are you still following me unimag- unimaginably more? She would have never imagined, I'm going to put him in the water and he's going to become uh, one of the leaders for the guy who's trying to kill him. (laughs) That's God. That's the way God works. We can't imagine. We can't come up with things like that. So he's raised, and we find in verse 10, when the child grew older, when Moses grew older, um, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And then we have in verse 14, 
what happens as Moses grows older, he realizes he knows where he came from. He probably knew his mom was. He knew his sister was. I don't know. We don't have details about the relationship, um, but he knows he is, uh, he is Hebrew and not Egyptian. And he gets into this, this situation where he goes out, he's surveying, he's looking at what's happening in Egypt uh, on Pharaoh's behalf, and he's, he's watching all the slave masters and the leaders and what they're doing, and he sees one being cruel to one of his people, a Hebrew. And he just loses it, and he kills the Egyptian. He thinks he's got away with it, says he buries him in the sand. This is Moses. Uh, not too long after that, he goes back out, and he sees two Hebrew people fighting. And he comes up to them, and he says this uh, in verse four. He tells them, he says, why are you all fighting? They say to him, well, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Y'all ever been caught up in something? Nope, y'all have just been perfect kids, never were teenagers, never got caught up in a, in a lie or sneaking around or, you know, told some big story and then it, it, it comes out of who did what. Uh, you know, you've never been caught up in something? Man, I don't need to preach to y'all. Y'all perfect. I know you have. You just don't want to admit it. So that moment, you know that gut feeling you get, right? That gut feeling like, oh, God. I've done something wrong. I thought nobody knew about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, Rosie's got her hands up. I've been there, she's saying. That's my daughter. She's she doesn't go there very often. She's a good kid. Hucky, he's, uh, we, these, these kids are honest, right? The kid, Jody, he's admitting to it. But you get that gut check, right? That you've been caught up in something. It hits Moses in the face, and he's like, what am I going to do? Because he thought he, that was hidden. Somebody was watching and saw it. It was spreading around everywhere. The gossip was out. Uh, everybody was calling one another, texting. It was on Facebook. Everybody knew what Moses had done, even Pharaoh. It says Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. It says when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. You read that verse, and it's, you know, he, oh, he, it's like he went to the grocery store. It's a couple hundred miles, all right? And they didn't have vehicles. This was, this was Moses realizing, thinking he did not have a path forward. Can you, can you go there with me for a minute? Can you go there with me just for a moment? You see, we have all sinned. We've all done things wrong. We've messed up at some point. We've had sin in our hearts. We've, we've done wrong things. We've been angry. We've been selfish. We've done things God has commanded us not to do because we are born into that. I have not had to teach Harker how to hit me in the face. 
He is 19 months, and as soon as he can move his arm, it was aimed at my face. You don't have to teach your children to lie. This is the natural state of mankind. And see, until you get that check and you realize that sin is forth death and eternal separation from God, you can't appreciate the delivery and the person of who Jesus is. Because this whole plan from Abraham to Moses is about bringing life to mankind. Because up to this point, everyone dies. But God had a plan through Abraham, through Moses, through Isaac, through Jacob, to bring forth Jesus who would be the perfect Messiah, and I want you to come here just, just for a minute. I'm going to sit down a minute because this, this is what Moses did, right? I want you to think about where he must have felt like he was in life. I want you to go just for a moment. Think about he, his, he, he did not get there. He did not leave one morning and, and like he was going to the beach and get there that afternoon. He's been on a journey, journey to Midian. And he gets there and it says he just sat down by a well. And I want to imagine for a minute what, what was going through his mind. Maybe he was walking back, and walk back with me in your own life, your, your birth, your earliest memories, your, your early childhood, your teenage years, your adult life, married life, and you can walk through all that. And here, here, here was Moses sitting there probably caring of regret. There were things that he knew he had to, he had ran from, that he was running from. Just close your eyes for a minute. If you're watching, if you're here, just, just take for a minute. Let's go with our biggest regret. See, Moses, sitting by this well, had no idea what the path forward was. Our regrets can haunt us. The things we wish we could go back and change and do. The feeling we have when we've been caught up in our sin and God has convicted us and saying, all you've got to do is put your faith in me. I've already paid the price for the sin, the bad things you've done. All you have to do is believe in me, put your trust in me. And here was Moses sitting in the well. Here's us sitting at the well this morning. I imagine that Moses was trying to imagine. Where do I go from here? I've journeyed all this way. I've made a mess of my life. I can't imagine there's a path forward. For some reason, that jumped out at me when he just sat down by the well. Because that's what humans do. It's what we do. We just got to sit down 
he's probably reflecting. He's probably, uh, he's probably kicking himself. He's down on himself. But here is the title of today's message. Unimaginably more. Moses. God is not done with Moses yet. He has come to this point in his life and regret where he thinks he's messed everything up. I, mean, I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Maybe you have. Maybe you've got things that you wish you could change. And I'll just tell you, you can't change them. But you have to believe in the potential of your current situation for God to deliver and still have powerful purpose in your life. Unimaginably more. We gotta, I want you to take this as we get very close. That doesn't mean career success and wealth and, and power. It means you have uh, uh, the opportunity to be used of God for greater purpose than any money, any success can ever measure up against. To be used by Him to build His kingdom. To be used by... Nothing else matters than to know I am his servant. I am living for him. And he says, I got more for you. Right now, each and every person of you, I got things for you. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says there are good works. It says we are his handiwork created in him for good things that he has prepared for us to do. You have an opportunity of purpose in our creator, the one that made you. Nobody understands you like the one who made you. And if you feel empty, it's because you've pushed back against the purpose. You see what happens next as Moses is sitting there at the well as his future wife walks up. Does it happen quick, immediately? All of a sudden, Moses is restored and he knows all his purpose. No, 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 no. Estimates are he's about 40 years old at this time. He ends up, we're going to go into the next part of the story next week. But he ends up married and living in Midian for about another 40 years. But immediately in this moment, circumstances exist that are part of God's purpose and plan. Can I ask you as you're sitting at the well this morning, as you are thinking, taking real self-reflection about your life and about any regrets, have you felt like there's no path forward? Or that every day is just going to be what it is and we're going to wait and see? God calls us to be active in his plan. It says in our hearts we're going to set forward a plan, but he's going to direct our steps. But it starts for us with a relationship with Jesus Christ, putting our faith, trust in him, and we have the promise that he is the one that's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, than you can imagine.
through a power that's working inside of us. It says the glory will be the Father's and Jesus Christ. God, we thank you. In this moment, we thank you for this promise that in times of uncertainty, God, your children, we have every reason to be excited about the future. God, let us not be afraid. Let us believe in the power of your potential. Let that drive our actions. Let us not retreat in fear. Let us go forward in faith. God, we're going to take baby steps of faith and leave the details to you. That's all Moses' mother had to do was a step of faith. God, there may be somebody listening today, right now in this moment, in this room or online, has never taken the first step of faith. They thought it's all hogwash and it's been religion and it's, been, it's just a thing that church people do. God, we know you are not about a building. You're not about uh, habits. You're, you are about a relationship. And a relationship that changes our hearts from the inside out. God, you called us, each and every one. And given us the opportunity to step out in faith. And live an abundant life. A life that is unimaginably more than what we've dreamed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to stand with us as we prepare to close this morning. We do have a, uh, a baptism that we're going to do in just a minute. We're so excited for Caroline. Um, and so two Sundays in a row, I'm thankful for what God is doing. We're going to sing this song. Uh, it says, All My Hope Is In Jesus. Because you see, even while Moses was sitting there, this, this story is pointing forward to what God is going to do for mankind. And it's pointing forward to Jesus himself. So let's sing this morning. If God is dealing with your heart, you can come up here and pray at the altar. You can pray right where you are. You don't have to come to the altar to get saved. You don't have to come to the altar to rededicate. We can talk afterwards. You can talk to a friend that you have trust in. Just build that relationship with Jesus Christ. Find the closeness so he can show you purpose in your life. felt that fire from above.
stranger to the prison Bye. 